Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Welcome to today's episode. It's part two of a broadcast that we did back on July 23rd, and it is entitled Evangelism, Sharing the Good News of Jesus Christ. So this is part two. Last A uh, couple of weeks ago, Uh, I announced that I would go into a second part, and this is such a broad subject, such a rich subject, such a rewarding subject, that I actually extended this episode to 30 minutes. Now, we may end a little early, but I felt that it was just a little bit much to try to pack into a 15-minute episode. So... I encourage you to go back and listen to the one that was broadcast on the 23rd of July and then go into this one uh, again uh, uh, if you're listening live or if you decide that you want to listen to part one and part two. So the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. This is the promotional material. Christ died for sinners. What better news is there to share? When we accept God's gift of his one and only son, we enter into a right and eternal relationship with God the Father. Sharing the gospel of Christ is not mechanical, argumentative, or combative, but rather lavished with the love that Jesus Christ has poured out onto us. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it's a, it, because, excuse me, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. That's the New International Version. What is your testimony? What is your testimony of being pursued by the love of God? How did he gently usher you into his fold? When is the last time you shared your testimony? So today we're going to explore evangelism and take a deeper dive into the scriptures to present a case for Christ. So back on July 23rd, we did part one, and we talked about the good news of Jesus Christ. Again, the main scripture was Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. We agreed that nowadays everyone needs to hear some good news with all the political unrest, mass domestic terrorist attacks by way of mass shootings, especially here in the United States. With all that's going on, where is our hope? Evangelism is a must, but it doesn't have to seem daunting. 
In our previous episode, I asked these questions. Does evangelism require talking to others? The answer is yes, it does. Does evangelism require a rehearsed script? The answer is no, it does not. All we really have to do is share the love of God. It's in our sharing that we can give hope to others. Always remember our testimony is a story of how God's love pursued us when we were still sinners. And eventually, immediately with some and not so with others, people accept and receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Jesus is our gift from God the Father. So we established what is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is basically his death, burial, and resurrection. And I'm just going to give you the scripture and maybe quote a few out of several verses. And you can go back again and listen to the first episode on uh, July 23rd. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 9 basically spells out the gospel. But I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share with you verse 2, uh, let's see, probably verse 3. Uh, no, two through through four. So First Corinthians chapter 15, I'm going to read to you verses two through four, but go back and read verses one through nine. So it says, by this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I have preached you, preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. Verse three says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins. According to the scriptures, verse 4 says that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. Okay. Then we also established and talked a little bit about why spread the gospel. Well, again, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. We already read Romans chapter 1, verse 16. We're not supposed to be ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And then we have in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We should sing to the Lord and go out and tell the world what we know and what we've experienced. Truly, truly is good news. And then in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. We established when is the gospel effectual? Well, past, present, and future, and especially now. The person, place, and work of Christ is the present and future reality of the kingdom of God. Then where should the gospel be spread? Well, everywhere. We've got missionaries that go into some of the remotest parts of the world to talk to the people. And then we, we want to... Share it as often as we can and with as many people as we can. As commissioned in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, we're supposed to go out and make disciples. Now, today we're going to dig a little deeper. Suppose you have the opportunity to show someone in the Bible what it is that you believe and why. This could be a very non-threatening Bible study or Bible discussion. It doesn't even have to be categorized as a study with someone who has expressed an interest in learning more. Oftentimes, someone wants to see what it says in the Bible or to show some sort of proof. 
Now, you're going to run into people who are argumentative, and they're going to challenge you about whether the Bible is accurate, and it's been translated by man, and there's missing words, and went from one language to another, and so on and so forth. But all you have to do, if you have the opportunity to share the scripture, really you're saying, this is what I believe and why. We believe, believers, Christians believe the word of God is the final authority in our life. It is where we can find instruction, correction, teaching, warnings, guidance, etc. Let's hear what 2 Timothy 3:16 through 17 says. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 through 17 says, "All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness." Verse 17 says, "So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work." So the word of God is active in our lives. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. You know, it's going to rain us in. It's going to cause us to be enlightened. It's going to cause us to get to know God better. It's going to cause us to be able to share what we know, especially the love of God with others. So if you can't or feel like you can't go through scripture and show someone, again, if you stick with one passage, just one passage, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That is perfectly fine. You don't want to misquote the Bible or add to it and say some sort of traditional family saying to make your case. In other words, rightly divide the word of God. Accurately handle the word of God. Let's look at what Second Timothy 2 Chapter 2, verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So you do want to know something about the Bible. You do want to know the books of the Bible. You do want to know what the Bible says about certain subject matters and certain topics. Not all of us are going to be biblical scholars. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're just basically talking about evangelism. And if you have an opportunity to sit and talk with someone and show them scripture to make a case for Christ, then it can be very, 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 very powerful. Personal testimony of the love of God and what he has done for you and to be able to present scripture is powerful. Remember, though, it's not necessarily you doing the work alone. The Holy Spirit is always at work on your behalf, my behalf, and the behalf of others. I'd like to introduce to you today what is known as the Romans Road to Salvation. Now, if you don't like that title and don't like that concept, then just consider it scripture, a series of scriptures that are found in the book of Romans. I didn't invent it, but it's been around for a while. There are pros and cons about it. Some people agree with it. Some people don't. But that's not what we're going to discuss today. For the sake of evangelism and scripture that supports a case for Christ, this is what I'm going to introduce today. 
The nice thing about it is that you can present a case for Christ by staying in just one book of the Bible. Have you ever been in a Bible study where you're flipping back and forth? Or have you ever had an opportunity to study with someone and you say, okay, we're going to go into the book of Galatians and Ephesians. Let's turn back to Isaiah. Now let's go to Daniel. And if you're sitting with someone who doesn't know the books of the Bible, then you're going to be patient with them to look at the table of contents, so on and so forth. Or you're going to show them where the books are. But, you know, sometimes that can be frustrating and it can be distracting to people. So these passages are going to all be found in the book of Romans. So what does the Romans road to salvation do? Well, it paints a very clear picture of the love of God and his pursuit of us as sinners. The second thing is it spells out plainly why the sinner needs Christ as Savior. The third thing is then the question can be asked. And answered, what must the sinner do to receive God's gift? And then number four, it brings to life the person and work of Jesus Christ. Gosh, I feel like I've covered a lot, but I still have a lot more to cover. So let's talk about the Romans, the the passages that are in the book of Romans. And we're going to look at the first thing is the human condition. Humanity has a problem. We are depraved. We are not in relationship with God automatically. In fact, mankind was separated from God because of the original sin. And then scripture says that the penalty of sin is death. And this is the state of every human being. There is no one who is good according to God's standards. All mankind has missed the mark. Now you may say, well, I know a good neighbor, a good neighbor who's very generous, very gracious, very helpful, will give you the shirt off his back or her back. That could be true, but we're talking about God's standard, not man's standard. And so let me read you the passages that are found in Romans that supports what I just said. So the human problem is that we're separated from God and there's none of us that are good according to God's standards. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says this. Verse 10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. So in other words, we don't seek after God. When we've been separated from him, there's a, a, a spiritual death occurred. And then we know our physical death is imminent. But we don't seek after God. God, that we have no affinity toward God. In fact, we're considered his enemies until we're reconciled back to him through Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So when we say there's none that is righteous and all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, then we look at, well, what is that really saying? Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that kind of gives you a picture, a panoramic view of the human problem, our human condition, depravity, depravity. We are just not good at all. We're not good people. The second thing is humanity's hope in Christ. We as as believers have hope in Christ Jesus. 
without Christ, I don't know what people have hope in. Like I said, there's so much going on, not just here in the United States, but all over the world. There's so much unrest. So what is God's remedy for humanity's hope in Christ? Well, we have hope in the love of God expressed through Christ. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, it says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, our righteousness comes from Christ Jesus. God sees us through his son. He doesn't see us as unclean. We've been clothed in his righteousness when we accept him as Savior, and Lord. And then because we know this, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is our response? What is the sinner's response to this? Christ dying for us. God was pleased with the death of his son, and he was buried, and then he rose again, and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. What is our response for Christ laying down his life for us so that we could be reconciled back to God? Now, remember I said that we were separated from him because of the original sin. Well, the sinner's response is that we acknowledge, based on our limited understanding, we can respond based on our understanding and recognition that we are sinners. And we're not talking about sins necessarily that are tangible, like smoking and cursing and drinking and all those kinds of things. We're talking about that inner being that is self-centered. You know, even as believers, we struggle with taking ourselves off of the throne and putting Christ on the throne where he belongs. We have to discipline ourselves and, and study the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in and through us so that we can yield our spirit and surrender to Christ or else we fall back into some of our sinful ways and live for self. And we can be very, very selfish beings. So our response is to, to, you know, to recognize that we are sinners and our savior, Jesus Christ is the only one who can reconcile us back to God, who can give us back to God. Not in the state as a sinner, but now as a regenerated or converted sinner to saint. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. So when you acknowledge, we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and that we will be saved. And it's because of that profession and that belief that we are justified and our mouth that, you know, professes the faith and that we have in Jesus Christ, and then we are saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord 
will be saved. So once you've done that, you recognize that the human condition is just, we're just not any good. There's no one that's good, and we've been separated from God. God's remedy is that you don't have to be eternally separated from him. You can be in relationship with him, and we have hope in the love that God has expressed through Jesus Christ. And then our response to that is, okay, I'm going to profess my belief. I'm going to profess with my mouth that my belief, and I'm going to believe in my heart what God has done. Christ died for us. He was buried, but he rose again. And then I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And what does that result in? Well, the result is salvation. This is God's promise. We are at peace with God, no longer his enemy. Our affection is now toward God. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us, so the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of our sins. When we've done something against God, I love David's uh, quote in the Bible, it is against thee and thee alone that I have sinned. So our sin is against God, although other people are involved, but God God, through, in God, we are justified in our faith because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And then let me read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of those passages that cover the human problem, humanity's hope in Christ, the sinner's response, and the result of salvation are all found in the book of Romans. And so, with that being said, you've got sort of a roadmap to be able to talk with someone about what their human condition is and, and, and identify with that. It's not like you're, it's your, only your problem and your problem alone, and I didn't have that problem or I don't have that problem now. You can relate to it because, again, you have a testimony. You know how God pursued you how his love pursued you and he loved us even when we were sinners and that Christ died for us. You can then talk about the sinner's response. You can talk about the results of salvation all in the book of Romans. So with that and in closing, share what Christ has done for you. That's what this is all about, evangelism. Sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Your personal testimony is powerful. Some people recommend that your personal testimony be anywhere from one to three minutes. You don't have to go into the the, the depths of everything, but you can just basically talk about where you were before and what Christ is doing for you now and where you are today in Christ. But God has believed this. God has prepared someone's ears to hear and hearts to receive. Seize the opportunity to meet 
that person or those persons. I believe God ordains divine appointments for you and I. Your personal experience, my personal experience can speak volumes. And if we just say and give our testimony, it will speak volumes. The Bible is a tool that we can use, and that's what we talked about today. We dug a little deeper into the scriptures to present a case for Christ. But listen, don't be a Bible thumper, someone who shoves scripture down the throat of others. Make it personal. It's not just about quoting scripture, memorizing scripture. That helps, but it's not about that. Be transparent in your testimony. After all, our testimony is really about God and what God has done for us. Evangelizing excuse me, doesn't have to be confrontational, argumentative, or combative. It's not about you're wrong and I'm right, and you're not a believer and I am a believer. You're going to hell and I'm going to heaven. It's not about that. It really is not about that. Remember, in the promotional material, I said it doesn't have to be sharing the gospel is not mechanical, argumentative, or combative, but rather lavished with the love that Jesus Christ has poured out onto us. And then share with compassion, gentleness, and spirit, and love. It's really just that simple. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. Take a look at the passages for yourself. Become familiar with the sequence of this case for Christ. Again, the human condition, God's remedy, the sinner's acknowledgement, and God's promise. Become familiar with the Romans' road to salvation, if you will. If you don't want to call it that, then just call it Passages found in the book of Romans that present a case for Christ. So with that, the first episode was broadcast on July 23rd. It's only 15 minutes. This one ended up being a little bit longer, just a little shy of 30 minutes. I hope it has held your attention. And I truly, truly believe, again, that God gives us opportunities to share with others the love of Christ and the good news of Christ. We just have to be willing and ready to seize that opportunity. So I'm going to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the universe. Thank you, Lord, that you have a purpose and a plan for us. Thank you that we're in relationship with you. Thank you for every opportunity you present where we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. For those who have not really shared their testimonies, Protect the time that they may need to prepare their testimony, Lord. And I'm going to say, give us a challenge. Let everyone make up a challenge for themselves, whether they're going to share the gospel uh, one, two, or three times in a week. If they're going to choose a family member or a coworker or a neighbor, Lord. And I thank you for going ahead of us and preparing the eyes to see, opening the ears to hear, and the heart to receive the planted seeds, and that those seeds would fall on fertile soil so that whomever we're speaking to, that they would know and see and hear the love of God and how you pursue us when we were still in our sinful state of being. 
and that you loved us so much that you gave us your son who died. And in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. So, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. And with that, I'm going to say thank you for hearing our prayer and answering our prayer according to your divine, holy, and perfect will. With that, my listening audience, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.